Okay, good stuff. You may take your seats. If you're at home, who did you say hello to? Maybe you went and got yourself a cup of tea or a nice uh, coffee? I certainly could do the coffee at some point, actually. Good, wow, what a great morning so far, hey? So good. Thank you, Lord, for coming and speaking to us. Thank you, Chris, which, as you know, our founding pastor. If you don't know, uh, our founding pastor. Many new people here, so. This is Chris, our founding pastor. Um, thank you for that word, Chris, and that exhortation. Really, really appreciate that and blessed by that. <clears throat> and uh, thank you, team, for praying for these wonderful guys. So good. Um, but uh, as Jenna mentioned at the start of the service, uh, it is my privilege to kick off. That's a football analogy. What do I do for tennis? Serve <laughs> a brand new series. Yes. Let's hope it's an ace. Thank you very much. Thank you. You may clap and applaud. That's fine. Um, yes. Oh, stop it, Mark. Right. So what are we going to talk about? We are in, a, in some ways a new season when we come back, aren't we, to the autumn? Well, not autumn yet, but it feels like it. Um, and we are going to be looking at a subject which is close to everyone's heart. It is the subject of love. What's love got to do, got to do with it? I'm glad you asked. Thank you, Chris. We're looking at love. Love is in the air. You know, it, the modern commentators say that modern culture is in love with love. It's all around us, isn't it? Everywhere you look at, love is all around us. Some interesting stats, because I know you like stats. Did you know over 60%, this won't be a surprise for you, I'm sure, of modern pop songs is about the subject of love, of course. Although the commentators also commented that these days it's more likely sex and romance than love and certainly uh, lyrics that only two decades ago would have been seen as X-rated. Um, but love is all around on the airwaves but also on the TV. Love Island? Oh. It's I can tell a lot of people's responses. Now, by the way, when I commented on Love Island, this is not a recommendation. <laughs> lest I put you in temptation's way. Uh, and in fact, can I, can I be your pastor for a moment? As uh, the Apostle Paul spoke to Timothy, one of my job descriptions as a pastor is to protect the flock. So can I lovingly say, don't watch Love Island? <laughs> oh, I got an applause. <laughs> Check you out. Thank you. Seriously, church, just be careful what you watch. I, it's almost like the devil's very smart. If you can put the entertainment label on it, anything goes. Well, you know, that's not so true. Uh, Love Island is not something that is healthy, and yet it attracts millions of an audience, millions. Um, and <laughs> by the way, if you were to uh, check out my Google search history of late, uh, you might be su not surprised, well, maybe a bit shocked, but I've been doing some research on this, and... Uh, and there was an article that said this, crying that it's over, referring to Love Island. These 11 shows will fill the Love Island shaped hole in your heart. And then it goes on to list all the other 11 plus shows that can fill that loved shaped heart. Why? Because we're in love with love. Now, some of you may have picked up of that curious phrase, these 11 shows will fill the Love Island shaped hole in your heart. Now, some of you are looking at me knowingly because there is a very famous quote from a 17th century theologian called Blaise Pascal, who said this, there is a God-shaped hole in our heart. 
which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator. I don't know whether this author recognized or realized that it was a pretty much direct quote, but you know what? I think that rather sums up where we are at in culture. It rather sums up where we are because I want to tell you this. That hole that you have that needs to be filled can only be filled by the love of God. Why? Because we've been created to have relationship with a God who loves us. If you read the manual of yourself, yes, your car has a manual and so do you, it turns out that you've been created to worship God. And just like if you don't read the manual of your car and you put in petrol, a diesel versus petrol, diesel, vice versa, whatever, it won't work. So your life will not work to its best if you do not fill that hole with Jesus. And so what I am going to do this morning is I'm going to lay the table out for the smorgasbord of talks that will be coming up over the next few weeks on love. And so I'm setting the scene versus going deep into one of these areas. I'm going to paint some pictures because I want us to understand the type of love that we are talking about. Because the reality is the world offers you one kind of love and God promises another. And we We need to understand the kind of love that the world offers first to understand what the forgery is. By the way, did you know that a forgery shows that a real thing exists? No need for a forgery if there's no real thing. Have you thought about that? Interesting, isn't it? So with all these 11 plethora of shows, one would have thought that with all the love in the air, every moment, every sound, was that a song? I think it might have been. That we would be a more loving and accepting culture, right? that we would all love each other and get on with one another. But I rather fear the opposite is true. I'd like to read to you this article that was in the Telegraph. I do read other newspapers as well, by the way, before you try and pin me in a hole. Let Let me read you this. The title is, Love Island is a symbol of our vapid, rotten culture. Too many, this was, came out a few weeks ago, too many, Love Island is just mindless escapism or a guilty pleasure, but I don't think it is quite as harmless as that. For one thing, the show's dominant aesthetic has become universal. It is credited with sparking a surge in demand for fillers, Botox, boob jobs, and butt lifts. I don't require one of those. <laughs> I see it is trickling into daily life too. Friends who have to watch every penny nevertheless save up for injections, while high street beauty salons hawk cosmetic procedures alongside haircuts, a bouncy blow dry with a side helping of Botox. Though changing fashion trends have always been a feature of life, listen to this, these surgical or cosmetic procedures will prove much harder to reverse than a dodgy perm or a blue mascara fetish. Anyone here got a blue mascara fit? Oh, someone said yes. Oh, bless you. You're fine. You're absolved. It's fine. At the same time, it goes on. Bear with me. You'll see where I'm going with this. Social media threatens everyone's self-esteem, where once girls and boys might have tried to be the prettiest or most muscular in their year, now they must contend with the entire virtual world. Instagram is a particular offender immersing its users in idealized, curated images which masquerade as being real or attainable, but in truth, all platforms encourage a solipism. I didn't know what that was either. 
It means, I had to Google that, the quality of being self-centered or selfish that can be damaging to those with body image problems. And it ends with this, which I think is very interesting. Though there is nothing wrong with taking pride in your appearance, thank you, we should also, <laughs> we should also ask, listen to this, why the pornified Love Island look, dull features, guppy lips. I had to Google what guppy lips are. <laughs> guppy is a fish with blown up lips. I said, if you looked at my search history, honestly, <laughs> is he a pastor? Thank you. Aggressive contouring and permatan has become so widespread, its popularity like that of the show itself suggests a society that, for all its alleged empowerment, values shallow things and a culture in which young people struggle to value themselves as they are. Is this the love that we want? Is this the thing that we want to follow after and attain for? You see, the love that the world offers, as I said earlier, is not the love that Jesus offers. And so we see this rise in the love of love. And yet in parallel, we see, in fact, the opposite. <clears throat> we see people hating one another. We see betrayals. We see offense like I've never seen it before. We see a woke, woke culture where once we look to be sensitive to others, which is a good thing, being catapulted into something new, a cancel culture which puts up, well, there is no thing as tolerance anymore. You might be saying, Mark, why are you spending so much time talking about the current culture? Are you going to use the Bible? Yes, I will in a moment. You know, the great theologian Karl Barth said that he preached with his Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Why is that? Because you see, God's work speaks not into a vacuum, but into our everyday trials and troubles and struggles. When the Apostle Paul went to Athens and he preached in Mars Hill, he looked around first at that society and saw they had a God for this, a God for that, a God for that. And it said, even it had a statue that says for an unknown God. The Greeks wanted to cover their bases. <laughs> and so when he got to the Mars Hill, he said, listen, I see that you do X, Y, and Z, but let me tell you about Jesus. And so I am purposely, as I set out, lay the foundations for this series, talking about the distinction between the love that the world offers and the good news of the gospel of the love that Jesus offers. So does, does the Bible have anything to say about the culture we find ourselves in? It rather does. Can you turn with me to Matthew, <coughs> excuse me, 24, uh, verses 7 to 13. And I'm just going to touch on this. And in fact, Chris uh, preached on this passage a few weeks ago in our summer series when looking at the paradox of the Christian faith. And he unpacked the, the component here that says that in spite of the troubles that we'll see in the end days, we are to have no fear and have peace. Um, but within this context, you see, Jesus is talking about what we can expect in the, in the end times. And, um, and it says here, I'm going to jump straight to... Um, verse 10, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And then it goes on, verse 12, and because lawlessness will be increased, it says this, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. So are we surprised of the world that we see ourselves in when Jesus himself said we should expect this? Now, what does it mean by love here? You see, we have to understand that Unlike our language, there's many different words for love in Greek. 
You see, in English, we have one word for love. So uh, I could say to my wife, Steph, I love you, darling. And then next minute, I could get a burger and say, oh, I love this burger. What? You know, if you would come from a, outside of our society or maybe from a, I don't know, from somewhere and think, what on earth is he talking about? That guy loves his burger like his wife. Someone needs to give him a speaking to. But this is not the case in Greek. Thankfully, the Greek language is being put together in such a way that there's different types of words for love. In fact, uh, modern times, there's about six or seven, but in, in ancient times, there's probably about four or so. And you would have heard some of these. Let me give them to you. Eros, sexual love. Philia, brotherly love. And then we come to the love that Jesus talked about here, that a love that grows cold. A love which is actually only really talked about in the New Testament writings. It's not a word that's used too much outside of that. And it is the word agape. Agape. Agape love. So what is agape love? It's the, the essence of agape love is goodwill, benevolence. It's a delight in putting others first before yourself, even if it involves sacrifice. That is the love that Jesus said will grow cold. It is a love that is the opposite of being self-centered. It's about putting other people before yourself. That is the love that we see going colder and colder in our society <coughs> when in parallel, the offering of the world's love goes up and up and up. <coughs> Let me show, give you a definition of agape love. And we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Why don't we turn there together? <coughs> Excuse me, it'll be up on the screen. Uh, and at home, it'll be up on your screen. And you'll recognize this scripture because it's used oftentimes in weddings. I had the privilege of uh, marrying my sister-in-law, Mel and Simon, recently. And uh, this verse was used. And let me read you because I think this does the best job of giving us a definition of what agape love is. Verse four, <coughs> love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude or crude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That is love. Compare that with Love Island and the other aforementioned shows. Is that really love? And you see, as we, over the next few weeks, look at how we are to love, I want us to understand that the love that the Bible talks about, that God calls us to, is countercultural. It runs against the narrative of what we hear and what we read. It is a love which transforms. It is a love that went on the cross and died for us. We celebrated communion the agape love, for God so agape the world. For God so looked at you and said, I want the best for them. For God so loved you and said, I want them to achieve all that I've created them to be. For God so looked at you and said, I want them to be in right relationship with me. 
God looked at you and said, I want you to walk in the blessings that I have for you. For God so agape the world that what did he do? He sacrificed his only begotten son. That is the kind of love. It's not Love Island, it's Calvary of love. That is the place, the cross. That is the place. You see, God is love. I want to remind us, 1 John 4, 8. It's not that God exhibits love. You see, God is love. Everything that comes from God is love. You know, I have to exhibit love. In other words, when I'm tired and ratty and the kids are asking for this, that and so, I have to say, Lord, please help me to love. Please, can I just have a moment? Am I the only one? No. Surely not. Please, God. And that's my prayer. I tell you my prayers. Lord, would you help me love my wife? Help me love my children. Help me love my friends. Help me be the best pastor you've called me to be. And what am I praying? Lord, help me to sacrifice. Help me to sacrifice. Help me to agape love. Now, that therefore leads on to, and I've only got a few moments because as I said to you, this is really an introductory talk, so you can get the meat of it uh, over the next few weeks. But here's the point about the gospel. It's not one way. What do I mean by that? We don't go, yes, Jesus died for me. Woohoo! I get to do whatever I want to do. He saved me so I can do what I want, right? I mean, Mark, you've said salvation is not by works, lest any man would boast, but it is by the grace of God. So what does that mean? That means I can do what I like. <clears throat> Computer says no. <laughs> no. Let me tell you something. We are called to love just as he loved us. That is how radical this gospel is. This gospel is not just a ticket out of here. And don't get me wrong, I'm looking forward to it. It's also a passport to live a new way of life here. You are ambassadors of Christ. Did you know this? It says in the scriptures, you're an ambassador. What does an ambassador do? Represents the sovereign. Represents the sovereign, not just represents by saying, I'm here for them, but acts in the way in which the sovereign would have acted if they were there. Newsflash, you're that. And this is why, you know what, guys? We're coming out of COVID and the world is looking at the church right now. And let me tell you something right now. If we cannot love like Jesus loved, then it's a sorry state of affairs. And by the way, I've been preaching this to myself. Am I willing to love sacrificially to others the way Jesus has loved to me? You know, Jesus said, how you love one another, the world would know that you are mine. <sighs> Ouch. How you agape one another. Whoa, really? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Continues, continues. Am I showing you that kind of love to each of you here and to my neighbours? Let me ask the other question. Are you showing that kind of love? Why do you think every month we pray in our watchman ministry for three things? We become more like Jesus and would learn to love one another. Relational growth. Because it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching here saying I've got this nailed. It's an unfortunate term. I haven't got this sorted out. I'm on a journey as much as you are. But let me tell you, God has put us this teaching for a reason in this season because he's saying to us, church, listen, I want you to love like you've never loved before. 
and I'm going to do a new thing in your heart. Because here is the thing about love. It comes from him. The more we soak in his presence, the more we experience his love, the more we walk in all that he has for us, the more we can love others. You see, the love that comes from Jesus is not a manufactured love. It is a fruit that comes. Fruit grows. Things that are manufactured are made. That is what God is calling us to. And as I end and bring this plane to land, I'm going to, let's look at Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40, because herein lies the anchor text for the next few weeks that we're going to unpack together. In fact, I'm going to start it from verse 34. The background here is Jesus is doing some teaching and the Pharisees, the Sadducees and the scribes are all trying to trick Jesus. And it says this, but when the Pharisees heard that they had silenced, that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer or a scribe, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, (laughs) which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. You see, Jesus isn't saying, ignore the others, just focus on this. He's saying, if you do this, everything else flows. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is look at those three things. How do we love God? How do we agape? How do we love God with all of our heart and our mind and our soul? What does that look like in our day to day? How do we love ourselves? He says, love yourself as your neighbor. Listen, we can't love our neighbor well if we don't love ourselves well. And I'm not talking about a self-centered, narcissistic love that Love Island and other things generate and and, and produce. I'm talking about a sacrificial love that recognizes we can't do it all on our own and humbles ourselves enough to say, Lord, I need you. A love that says, Jesus, would you come? A love that takes care of our soul. How? By being still and knowing that he is God. A love that knows when to say no because I need some space with God. That's the kind of love we're gonna unpack. And then to love your neighbors. It's vertical, it's inside, it's horizontal. And we're going to look at what that love looks like over the next few weeks. And I'm really, it's really blessed that Emma Blustin, who is our head of communications, is going to be speaking next week. Yeah, amen. Yeah, give her a clap. (laughs) Emma is currently serving in kids, but Emma's going to look at forgiving one another and offense. And can I just say as we end, and I invite the band up at this point, Can I just say as your pastor, I'm seeing more and more as we come back together, as we feel bruised, as we feel vulnerable, that the danger is we get into offense very quickly. None of us could have been perfect over this period. None of us could have been the perfect friend, the perfect wife, the perfect husband, the perfect pastor. (laughs) And so we need to learn to love one another and forgive one another. And I'm so blessed that The Lord has laid just a wonderful message on Emma's heart to share with us tomorrow.